0: Excellent. Let me just make sure I'm all set up. It really is wonderful to be together today and to be able to spend some time um, together. Now, it might seem like a bit of a tangent where I'm going off here, but don't know if you can remember where you were or what you were doing on the 25th of May 2005. Okay, chances are no one will really be able to recall what they were doing on that date. I do. Uh, I was in Portsmouth. Uh, Specifically, I was in a pub in Portsmouth, and I was watching the Champions League final where the team I support, Liverpool, were playing AC Milan, and in the run-up to the game, there was all sense of not quite sure how this is going to go, kind of nervous excitement. Uh, Halfway through the game, that had turned to a sense of despair as we were losing 3-0 at half-time, only then to make a comeback and win it on penalties, so that despair turned to elation. Uh, And then, a little while after that game, one of my friends actually gave me a DVD of that particular match, and what I found is that when I watched the DVD, knowing what the outcome was really changed how I engaged with that same event an event that i 'd gone through before and had worked my way through now knowing what the outcome was, now that my perspective was different means that whenever I watched that, I engage with it uh, and, and um, approach it that very same event, but from a very different place and from a very different perspective, knowing what the outcome is. The reason why I say this is very much how we engage with something in life very much depends on our perspective, Uh, really very much in terms of which side of history are we on in terms of that event? Is it something that we're looking back on, something that's happened in the past, so we already have some understanding or knowledge of what has happened, Is it something that we're engaging with in the present that we're having to walk through or is it something that's still yet to happen that we're looking looking toward or looking to maybe that's something that well, hopefully that's something we can all uh, really. Uh, connect with in terms of that sense of yeah actually uh, what's our perspective what side of history are we on very much affects how we engage with that now in this season of advent where we're looking towards christmas as we're preparing for christmas it's helpful for us to be aware that we very much will look at it from our own perspective we will look at it this side in terms of history we're looking at it this side of jesus birth we're also looking at it this side of jesus life this side of the crucifixion, this side of the resurrection, this side of the Holy Spirit being poured out on the church, this side of thousands of years of church history, we do so with an understanding of how in Jesus uh, our sins have been forgiven, and in its place it 's been exchanged uh, we 've exchanged that that sin for his righteousness, so as we look at Christmas and engage with Christmas, we do so from that perspective with that understanding we do so with uh scriptures such as john 3:16 uh in our minds for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him also verses such as uh 1 1 john 3:16 this time that says by this Uh, we know love, that he laid down his life for us. So our understanding of Christmas and Advent, how we engage with it, we have to be aware that we do so from the perspective of where God has placed us and called us to be in history. Now, in this Advent series, what we're doing is we're looking at at Advent, this period of, of arrival, this period of coming from very different perspectives to that which we would have, because we're looking at the people who were there. We're looking at the people who were there before in the lead up, in the run up to Jesus being born. We're looking at their songs, at prophecies. We're looking at prayers of those who celebrated the birth of Jesus in a way that we, we don't in terms of where we are in history. And again, that word Advent means arrival or coming. And actually, for these people that we're looking at, these songs and prophecies that we're looking at, we have to realize that what they were waiting for or what was coming for them is perhaps is, is different in the sense of at least how we understand it and look at it from the way that we do. We need to realise that these are real people with real thoughts, with real questions, with real emotions, with real hopes, and with real expectations. And it's just been really helpful for me to remind myself of that. These aren't just words in a text that someone has come up with. These are real people's expressions of celebration uh, and, and expressing way. Uh, really what was going on in their hearts and minds at that time. And as Pete mentioned at the start of our time together, we've called this series Come, Let Us Adore Him. Very much the heart behind what we want to do is to have some time over these weeks to come uh, and just adore Jesus together, to come and delight in him, uh, to allow these, understanding these, uh, these expressions of the people who were there to just inform us, to really stir us, to engage with Jesus perhaps in, in, a, in, a, in a different way than we perhaps normally would, but to come and delight in him. So we're going to uh, turn to Luke chapter one. If you've got your Bible, turn to Luke chapter one. Just to set a bit of context while you're turning there. So last week, Pete was speaking on Mary's song as Mary was pouring out her praise uh, to God for what he has done for her and what he's going to do through the people. But at that time, Mary was with her relative Elizabeth. Elizabeth was married to a man named, Zach, named Zachariah. He was a priest who who uh, worked in the temple. Uh, and as a couple, they had been wanting a child, but had been unable to have a child. And they were both advancing in years. So uh, looking at it from a, from a worldly perspective, the chances of them having a child were, were really reducing with every passing year. And it was really their heart's desire to have a child. And this one day when Zachariah is in the temple praying to God and an angel appears to him. And says that God is going to give them a son, that his name is to be John and that he's going to be one who is going to proclaim good news uh, to the people. And Zachariah in that moment doesn't quite understand what's happening. He says, you need to give me a sign so that I know that what you are saying is true. And from that point on, the angel makes it so that he is unable to speak. So through the rest, the following nine months through Elizabeth's pregnancy, he is unable to Speak, and we're going to pick up from one uh, from Luke one and from verse fifty-seven. We're going to there's quite a bit to read, but uh, just give yourselves really to just really soak in, soak in these verses. So it says that now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zachariah after his father. But his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, but none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. And he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea and all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, what then will this child be for the hand of the Lord was with him? And his father, Zachariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and, he, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Of peace. Now my plan for whatever time we've got left is more just to share some reflections, some things that I've been thinking upon as I've had a bit of time just to, to think upon those words, think upon those verses. But what I want to start is for each of us just to take a moment, in just in silence, just take a moment, think about what we've just read, what we've just heard, what stands out to you. Okay, now that was just about thirty seconds or so there, but I don't know what you're like with silence. How you would have found that that moment of being uh, in silence maybe you're someone who likes to have lots of background noise things going on all the time I when I came to prepare I had a moment where I thought oh let's just put maybe just put some worship music on in the background and then I thought no actually it'd be good just to have some silence to be able to help my my thoughts and be able to hear uh from God but the reason I say this is because when we look at Zachariah we know that he was unable to speak but the text also implies that through this period of nine months he was unable to hear it says that when they wanted to know what John's what John's name was going to be. They had to sign it to Zachariah in order for him to understand what they were asking. So it appears not only was he unable to speak, but he was unable to hear as well through that whole of that through the whole of Elizabeth's pregnancy, right through to the birth of John. But what it seems like was happening was that through that those nine months of silence, it really seems like God was working in this man. It seems like God was revealing more of His plans. It feels like Zechariah through that time was beginning to see what was happening, what God was about to do, what breakthrough there was about to be, as he would have been reflecting on, on prophecies and promises and scriptures from generations and centuries before, seeing how all of these things were lining up and coming to fruition. And what comes out through this prophecy, it seems to me, is that it's sort of a—it's a culmination of that time where he's been, uh, it just reflecting and pondering and meditating and thinking, thinking things through, where what he's learned and understood just comes pouring out of him with the Holy Spirit's help. We see this confident declaration of the significance of what was about to happen with the birth of Jesus. Now, when I was thinking about this, these. This time that Zechariah was having in silence, it reminded me that we have this gap, don't we, between the Old Testament, the last of the prophets and the New Testament where Jesus is born. We've got this period of about 400 years of apparent silence, just like Zechariah was in that moment of silence. And then and then God comes and God moves. So the people were waiting in this period of silence and Jesus comes into Jesus enters in into that silence. Now, last week, when Pete was speaking about Mary, so helpfully pointed out that really this was a a song of praise. It starts with Mary saying, my soul magnifies God. I'm going to rejoice in him. And what followed really were her reasons why she felt that way and what she was thankful for. And it's really similar to what we see with Zachariah as well. This is a cry of praise. He cries out saying, blessed be the Lord our God. And from that point, it's just followed by the cause of his praise, what he was looking forward to, what he was expectant of, what he was hoping for. And so one of my thoughts that I wanted to share with you is this, or one of the things I wanted to share is this, is that the birth of Jesus was the beginning of the end, not just the beginning of the story. What I mean is this, is that we can sometimes look and think that Jesus coming is, the, is, the, is where everything kind of begins for us, but it's not. Jesus came at a point in history, with generations and, and centuries and millennia beforehand of prophecies uh, and promises and the history of God walking with his people. And it's like Jesus enters into a point. And yes, we are part of a story, and the, the, the whole of scripture is a story, and the whole of history is a story, but it's a story with Jesus at the center point. And I want to say that because actually, uh, I read it put like this that actually advent gives us an opportunity to really dive into the old testament and oftentimes we focus so much on the gospels in the run-up to christmas and understandably we want to focus on the birth of jesus but actually dive into the old testament just as zachariah would have been drawing on those things of those prophecies those promises of the covenants from generations before all of it leading up to this point where where jesus enters in and at the point where Zechariah is, we, we, we kind of join Zechariah at this point where Israel has fallen into the hands of Rome. They're under rule of, a, of a, a foreign nation, a foreign empire. God seems silent. It seems like God has withdrawn himself. And they're in this period, God's people are in this period of waiting, waiting for a rescuer, waiting for a liberator, one who would come and, uh, and lead them out of this period of oppression and, and foreign rule. And reign and it's really we we need to understand the perspective that Zachariah is approaching this from do you know Zachariah likely wouldn't have imagined that salvation and redemption would come through the Messiah dying that wouldn't have been his expectation they were waiting for a leader to lead the people uh, into freedom and in a way his scope this is where the whole perspective thing comes in because his scope was very different to, to where we now see the scope of the gospel uh, what the scope of the gospel actually was, but in Zechariah's words, through this prophecy, from prophets and promises, with the Holy Spirit's help, we see what he was confident of, we see what he was hoping for, we see what he knew and what he understood. So, what did he know? He knew that in Jesus, God has visited His creation. He says that that God has come. Uh, we one of the one of the names that Jesus has given is Emmanuel, isn't it? God with us. We're going to look at that more next week in our carol service. Uh, but Zechariah knew that in Jesus God had come. God enters into brokenness. God comes to be among his people. Zachariah knew that. It's what they were waiting for. He also knew that God has accomplished redemption, that he has bought salvation. He knew that God's people would experience God's mercy that they would experience relationship with God without fear. And in place of fear, they would be able to experience relationship with God instead in holiness and in righteousness. And I don't know about you as I'm reading through that prophecy and as I'm hearing the words of that prophecy, that sounds very much like the gospel to me. That sounds very much like the good news of salvation. That sounds very much like the good news of redemption. And yes, Zachariah's perspective was different to ours, but he knew that in Jesus, God was about to do something hugely significant. And then he comes to this uh, this prayer really about his son, about John the Baptist. And he knows that his son has been called to, 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 to be one who proclaims, to be one who makes a way for Jesus. And he knew that John was going to be called to proclaim salvation, that he was called to proclaim forgiveness of sins, that he was to tell the people that they should expect to experience the mercy of God and that they should expect to enter into peace. And it struck me that these words of Zechariah are rich, gospel-saturated words. There's so much truth in here, so much wonderful truth about the character of God, about the nature of God, but also about the, the work of God and what he what he does and what he's fulfilled and accomplished in Jesus. I mentioned a little while ago that Zachariah didn't fully grasp the scope of what God was about in sending Jesus. But this is where it's helpful, actually, from us at our point in history, where God has called us to. We do get to see the scope of it in a very different way where Zachariah would have understood it to be for for God's people, for for Israel, for redemption and salvation and relationship for that people. We see that the scope has been blown much wider uh, in, in, in and through Jesus. Just a few weeks ago, when I was last speaking, we were speaking about reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, we read the verses that through Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Then in Ephesians 2, Paul says that whether Jews or Gentiles, it doesn't matter. Through Jesus, God was creating one new man and that all can be reconciled to God. But the birth of Jesus was the beginning of the end, not just the beginning of the story we have to see where this fits within the whole of history recognize the significance of what it meant for different people throughout history their perspectives for those who had been looking forward to something that was going to happen for those who were experiencing it in that moment of jesus arrival for those of us this side of jesus birth life crucifixion resurrection spirit poured out two thousand years of the history of the church uh, actually we need to understand that it has significance and importance for all of us. One other thing I wanted to share with you briefly is this, is that one of the things that really stood out to me was the imagery of the final verses, this beautiful picture of uh, the sunrise visiting us from on high, light coming into darkness. If you were with us last week in our time towards the end of the meeting, you might have seen Barbara sat in our cabin and the sunlight was just coming right through the windows and just shining on Barbara and we said how amazing it looked for her to be there with the sun shining on her and it just uh there's just something isn't there about light entering in and entering into dark places and darkness being removed and as I was thinking on this I read something by Tim Keller which really relates to this imagery and he says that Christmas is the most realistic way of looking at life and it's something I want us to ponder on. Christmas is the most realistic way of us looking at life and he, he picks up on how light in darkness really is a, a prominent theme in biblical understanding but also if we look at Christmas celebration whether religious or contemporary, light plays a big part in that doesn't it? Light in terms of Christmas celebrations we see it everywhere, it's a big part of it. John, uh, not John, not Matthew 4 16, uh, Matthew four sixteen, says that the, um, the words of the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, that the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Really similar to what Zechariah was prophesying about how um, the sunrise shall visit us and to give light to those of us who sit in darkness. And the reason why this is so important and the reason why Christmas is the most realistic way of looking at life is this. This is what Keller says. He says that the point is that the world is a dark place that needs salvation to come from outside of it. It's not something that darkness cannot be changed or removed by something, uh, us kind of willing it from inside, something from outside had to enter in says that this means that the, this means the end of cheery statements like, if we all pull together, we can make the world a better place. Isn't that what we hear people saying? Isn't that what people are trying to do? If we all pull together, if we all pull in the same direction and work together, we can make the world a better place. Keller says, no, we can't. <laughs> and we can't because we don't have what it takes. Because what we need is something that is like to come from the outside in. Oh, so red. Uh, somewhere the, the other day, someone said that Advent is the greatest affirmation of human dignity. The word became flesh, but it's also the greatest critique of humanism. That's because Christ came since humanity can't save itself. Salvation isn't from within, but from without, not an inner light, but a light that has invaded the world. And so that's really something I think for us to ponder on this imagery as Zachariah understood it, this sunrise, God, this, his sun has risen on the people, not something that we can, has come from within us, not something that we've mustered up, not something that if we pull together, we can make the world a better place. The reality is, is that the world is in a, is a dark place that needs salvation and Jesus is that salvation and Jesus is the light. And so this view of, of, of life this Christmas view of looking at life it is realistic yes but it is also full of hope it's not pessimistic it is full of hope because the light of the world came into the darkness so there's just a few of the thoughts that I've been thinking of but one other thing is this is that you know John the Baptist he was called to proclaim he was called to prepare a way that was what God had called him to for that point in history But you know, God has also called us for this point in history, because this is still a message that needs to be proclaimed. This is still a message that needs to be heard. And we have been called to proclaim a message of salvation. We have been called to proclaim a message of the forgiveness of sins, of mercy and also of peace. So let's think upon Zachariah's words. Uh, Let's allow ourselves to be uh, shaped by them. Let's just allow them to Uh, just work deeply inside of us let's understand that his perspective was different to ours, but actually such an important perspective as we see that Jesus really is the center point of the story the center point of history